0: It's Monday, September 3rd, 2018. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this is episode 175 of the 504net Podcast. How you guys doing? You alright? Hanging in? Thanks for joining us for another conversation. Today, the continuation of a conversation that started many years ago with saxophonist... Composer, bass clarinetist, improviser, somalier, gourmand, bon vivant, Josh Sinton. Let's have a listen. Josh Sinton's back on the show for another uh, semi-intense conversation. Today on the show, Joss Sinton. Before we get into it, uh, a couple orders of business. First and foremost, um, for those of you that pledged to the Kickstarter for Decay of the Angel, I've sent out every package that I have the information for. For those of you listening, I sent uh, multiple emails, many of which have not been responded to, uh, requesting shipment information. If you responded, you got your package. If you haven't, I don't know where to send it. So get in touch. I also want to uh, say thank you to everyone who has uh, recently and, and since the beginning pledged to the Patreon. It, uh, it keeps the show going quite literally. Quite literally. If you're enjoying this show and you want to hear it continue please consider pledging via the Patreon. It's sort of like an NPR, listener-supported model. There's no advertisements. There's, no, there's nothing between me and what makes this show happen, and uh, I prefer to keep it that way. So if you're enjoying this show and you want to contribute in some way, go to patreon.com slash 5049podcast. You become a monthly donor, and, and as a, a, a token of my appreciation – All of the past episodes, I can only keep 100 episodes at a time in iTunes, Uh, and at this point today, we're up to uh, 175. That means there are 75 episodes in the archive, conversations with people like uh, Mary Halverson, Nate Woolley, uh, J.G. Thurwell, Trevor Dunn. Uh, Matt Ship, William Parker, there's a lot of really great conversations in there. And if you pledge to the Patreon, you get access to that archive. The show's changed uh, quite a lot since it first started five years ago. Um, I think it's better now. But if you want to hear those early conversations, that's how you access them. Become a Patreon donor. I've got a lot of Tibetan bowls sitting around me right now. Uh, Speaking of the early episodes... The last time Josh Sinton was on the show was back in August of 2013. So there was exactly five years between the two conversations that, uh, that, that you have to listen to between Josh and I. About a month or two ago, I put a thing on Facebook through the 5049 uh, Facebook page asking if people would be okay with um, bringing past episodes back. And it seems like people were into it. Um, and specifically, one or two people said, I would love to hear how Josh is doing. The episode from five years ago uh, was kind of, you know, a a pretty emotionally charged conversation. Josh was going through quite a lot at the time, uh, personal issues with his family, as well as some feelings around coming to terms with, with aspects of the New York music scene that he was less than thrilled with. and i i should tell you you know i talk to a lot of people through this show and for those of you that have been in um for a while have been listening since the beginning a lot of the people that i've talked to th- on on this podcast are people who i weirdly had never talked to before people who you know you you would think we share a lot of similarities you would think we share a lot of colleagues you would think we share uh, a lot of professional opportunities and engagements um but who i We've. i've never been in the same room as josh isn't one of those people josh is someone who i consider to be a real friend and and as you'll hear in the conversation today uh that's not something i could say about a lot of people right now um a lot of the conversation today is uh here's what i'll say back in january those of us who are on Josh's um, mailing list got an email. I'll tell you what, I'll read it to you. The subject of the email was leavings. The first part of the email are some, some gig announcements and uh, some information about a recording. The bottom of the email, uh, there is a subject that starts, time for a break. And here's the email. I've been told that breaks are helpful, even essential to one's health. Unfortunately, I suck at them. Be that as it may, I find myself in a place where I have to do this. After these shows, I'm taking an indefinite leave of absence from music. So this will be my last email for the time being. As I begin this hiatus, I will become more scarce on the internet. But my Bandcamp and SoundCloud sites will remain if you need reminders of these sounds. Thank you for your support, and perhaps see you in the actual world one of these days. J.S. Now, I don't know how many of you um, have had the misfortune of knowing someone who has chosen to end their life. That note was eerily reminiscent to me of, of notes that I've seen from people that have done so. So I reached out to Josh, as I know a number of other people did, uh, to say, man, what's going on? And his response was, Hey, if you want to get together, um I'm happy to talk about it, you know. So we got together and, and he told me some stuff that was going on and and you know, I'm not speaking out of turn when I say Josh is a very sensitive person. Uh most of the best people I know are very sensitive people. It's it's an admirable quality. Uh how can I say this? Josh had an experience that was sort of um, in line with a number of things that had been bothering him, uh, and, and as you'll hear on the conversation, he found himself at a place of disenchantment that uh, caused him to really reassess things. So today's conversation is with Josh, who is a person who has spent his entire adult life pursuing uh, a life and career in music, who for the last year has made a conscious effort to step away from it completely. To work on his mental health, to work on his emotional well-being, um, and just divorced from from what, you know, people who are making a living playing music or or more likely people who are attempting to make a living or who are hanging their entire identity and sense of self worth on making a living, playing music. It's an interesting conversation. And I'll just say, it, I'm putting this up uh, with some, some sense of serendipity in that I've been feeling more bitter, resentful, um, defeated, disenchanted, than I I can remember in the the last, you know, year. The last two episodes of the podcast I put up, I had to edit the intros so heavily and re-record and re-record because I was so bent out of shape that I said some really nasty things. And um, I can tell you that I am making conscientious, uh, active Decisions and changes, and and how I interact with music, and more specifically, musicians, um, particularly in this scene. If I'm going to be honest with you, I will tell you that this is the the world of music in New York right now. I, I can't speak for what it's ever been. I, I know what I know. It's unhealthy. Opportunities are few and far between. I've said it before. That little piece of the pie that's. That's um, been le- reserved for experimental music, whatever you want to call it. It's thinner than it's ever been. It's crumbs. And a lot of people are behaving like rats chasing crumbs. Uh, it's, th- th- there's a pronounced lack of humanity to it all. And I'm choosing what I want to interact with and it's going to result in, in some decisions and some changes. It was important for me to talk to Josh to, to kind of get a mirror you know, into what that looks like for someone else. I don't feel good about where things are at um, in the world of music and how people take it in and certainly how people play it. There is a lot of bad, 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 bad music happening. Happening, you know, under the the umbrella of creative, experimental, improvised music. Usually the people making that music are pretty jive themselves. So I'm trying to keep my head up. Josh is someone that I care about a lot and, uh, you know, I want to see him do well and... I want to see him come back. I think he will. All the music that you hear on today's show is from a record that was recorded within the last year and will be coming out within the next year. So that's a good sign for his return. He's a great guy. If you want to hear the, uh, the conversation that we first had five years ago, that's available in the archive. You got you to gotta access it through the Patreon. Uh, and I think you should check it out. Um, it, it's worth listening to. One other thing I should say is that there are, in fact, audio issues with today's show. My mic, fortunately, it's my mic and not Josh's, cuts out a few times. I've been updating uh, my, my studio setup, and along the way, some bad cables and bad connections found their way in. And uh, it's been fixed, so in future episodes, this won't happen again. But you'll, you'll hear my mic cut out a couple times, and it's kind of annoying to listen to. All right, that's it. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, this is my conversation, part two of a conversation that first started five years ago um, with Josh Stinton. All right, here it is.
1: So, I don't know, I mean... For me, like when I see all this stuff on the internet, I mean, first of all, I just these days I limit my exposure to the internet. But then secondly I'm always like, Yeah, okay. I I can always almost always find parallels in other places, other times. Yeah. You know, and if I can't, I go and look for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If I I'd look basically I look to whoever is a professional historian. Most of my Twitter feed now is filled with professional historians. Yeah. You know, and they just so Twitter has become,
0: like, a source of knowledge rather than, like, a toxic river of...
1: It stopped being for social reasons a long time ago. But, yeah, more and more I just keep ditching the musicians. <laughs> and basically it's it's comedians and comedians and historians, a politician or two, um, and then random shit. Like, one thing will, like, put a quote of Melville up every day. Another uh-huh. one puts up a quote of Shakespeare every day. Uh-huh. But I would say, yeah, mainly historians and comedians. Yeah. the bulk of my Twitter feed now. Um, You know, and that's, so I actually, I quite enjoy my Twitter overall. The only time I don't enjoy my Twitter is when I start getting bombarded with gig spam, (laughs) which makes me feel guilty about how I, I participated in that shit for a long time. In the gig spam. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I did that all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that gig spam is useful to anyone. What do you mean useful, though? I just mean like
1: like how would it be how would it be useful? Like just like if, if the concept
0: was, is, oh, I'm playing this show or I'm right. releasing this album or whatever right. um and people need to know about it so right. I'm gonna play my part in making them aware of it.
1: Advertising. It, so as advertising.
0: Yeah, but it rarely you know, most of the time the outcome of Gig Spam is for the people receiving it, right. they see it to a point where they go, Man, that guy's fucking annoying and they see you put something up and they just click delete. Right. You know, because right. it's just, oh, great. You know, um, so it seems to have like the opposite effect of, of what its goal was.
1: With some people, yeah. I mean, I, it, it's advertising. That's yeah. all it is. It's advertising. Sometimes advertising works, most of the time, it doesn't. Professional advertisers know that. They know that most of the stuff they're going to create and come up with, if it even make, gets to the stage of being put in front of people's eyes, mm-hmm. most of it's going to be ignored. Yeah. I mean think about the amount of money that's put in every year making car commercials. They're right. Show up all the time. And every time I just yell at the TV, I'm not buying you. I don't want a car. Yeah. I don't need a car in this city. I you know, but they're constant. Advertisers know that. They're just hoping that like that handful of people kinda yeah. latch on to it.
0: So wait, did your withdrawal from social media coincide with your and I still don't really fully understand um You've been in the shed, man.
1: <laughs> well, how do you want to start this is that how you want to start it officially that way? I guess. I so mean, I just cuz I mean,
0: I know you you sent out an email. Yeah. A year ago? January. Yeah. Half a year ago. Yeah, yeah, saying that you were stepping back from the public aspect of being a music maker.
1: I said just flat out I'm taking a break from music.
0: But I don't I f- but that's not actually true though cuz you're still practicing, right?
1: Uh, you know, I'm really I I I get pretty cagey about that.
0: About Okay. Well when I went to your new place, like you moved and you built a practice room. So I took that to mean that the that room is in use.
1: Not always. It wasn't in use for months at the beginning of this year. Yeah. I mean months went by and I would go in there and I kinda look around and feel uncomfortable. But mainly it's like could be storage of books and things like that. But so you want to know just like why I did this and what it
0: what's Well, yeah, I want to talk about what the experience has been.
1: What the experience has been, the experience has been, I mean, just that part of it. Overall, it's been a positive. Um, It's complex, usually, I think, because for me, it's complex because I can never seem able, I'm never very good, as much as I try, I'm not very good at communicating why I'm doing this and, and what it feels like to do it. And I think part of that also is other people's hopes and expectations about it.
0: About this thing specifically,
1: about me and music, and yeah, yeah and the idea of uh, Josh Sinton being out there playing his instrument, which I think, uh, and I guess it it is very nice, but it's just, I think for many people around us, they take, uh, as you would say, succor; they take solace in the knowledge that we're that people like us are out there making shit, and as you've talked about, making shit that has no reason to exist. That mm-hmm. they're like, well, yeah, but like. Jeremiah 's out there make, working on his music, and that 's kind of just an incredible thing and that 's really inspiring or i 've t- had people tell me that they 're inspired by my example and what i 've done. Do they know what i sound like i don 't know because hmm. I get that i don 't often see people at my shows you know, um, and i 've been accused of being Basically, being a little bitch about that, rightly so, at times, by my wife and by friends saying, like, you know, you keep complaining that no one's coming to your shows, and it's just not true. Um,
0: it's not so true I, that they're not coming, or, it's, or, is, the, or, the, or is, is their response like, hey, you're in it or you're not, like, stop complaining no, about it?
1: It's both, depending on who's saying it. Right. With, for my wife, it's usually, no, you you're really just need to stop beating yourself up and saying no one cares because it's just not true uh-huh. but anyway so trying to explain this is really is difficult for me and which bugs me because as my wife has also taught me I have this compulsion to communicate with people it's it's the thing that kind of keeps me running all the time and it, to the point of like I'm 46 now she told me this this year last year mm-hmm. and I like the light bulb went on in my head I'm like Oh my God, she's right. That's really like what a fundamental thing that makes me tick is I just want to explain to people, explain how I feel, what I think,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: what things, what I think is happening in the world needs to happen, isn't happening, whatever and everything. Like to be in communication with people is a really essential, is like kind of the air I need to breathe, Mm -hmm. um, spiritually, emotionally, whatever have you. So it's really hard for me, like the fact that I can't quite explain it. But I'll say the way it feels now, um, and this won't come across in a podcast, but the way I've been telling people is, so I'm holding up my arm horizontally right now and my forearm and I'm saying, okay, this is happiness. Now, I take my other forearm and I put it just below that one, but it's also flat, and that's basically where my emotional life is on a daily basis, more or less now before that, it would basically swoop up and down, yeah, around there, so yeah, sometimes I'd have days where I was really elated and really doing really great, but I'd have what this sparked this hiatus, this break this this departure um was I emotionally bottomed out and I had a weekend. I had a very, very shitty weekend where mm. basically, and I have a therapist. I've had one for a long time. Basically, my therapist and my wife were in constant communication trying to figure... With each out, other? With each other. Oh, wow. Well. Trying to figure out whether or not I needed to be committed to a hospital. Jesus. Um, and it's not the first time it's happened to me. Like, I am I live with mental illness like lots of people uh-huh. do. Um, I don't like talking about it mainly because I feel like I'm just number one that I'm just whining about it um and number two it is it's it's private it's my thing it's my thing to to work through um there's a very good practical reasons why there are people who professionally work to help people Mm -hmm. like me and people with mental illness um but I've I've I have been hospitalized in the past I've been close to being hospitalized I mean by hospitalized um again this is i don't want to get too detailed about it. its it's very personal for me but uh the uh, in the clinical language i was uh i it, i was a danger to myself and others around me uh-huh is the way it's put clinically uh uh-huh. which can mean several different mean things. A number of things yeah um and so that's what happened to me and i'm like i and i hadn't really had a a true bottoming out like this since before my daughter was born, who's now eight. I'd had small ones here and there, but this is like a really massive one. Like, and I just felt so horrible and guilty about it because I made even an entire record in the hopes that I, this wouldn't happen once I became a father. Once my daughter appeared, you know, and was born, I wanted to make sure that my, I did not want to visit this part of my life or lay it on my daughter. Um, because you know, I it can, it scars people mm-hmm. no matter what. And so I just felt very sad, very ashamed.
0: That you had had this emotional breakdown.
1: Yeah. And that, like, I felt so terrible for my daughter, you know, and I felt, terrib- she- I felt terrible for my wife as well. Sure. But, you know, sh- <sighs> that's being married. It's not being a parent. Um How did my daughter react? No, but
0: was she fully aware of everything?
1: Of course not. But she knew that daddy was not feeling good.
0: Yeah. She sensed it and she said it. Yeah.
1: You know, and she was very nervous. Yeah. yeah, She was scared too, because she could feel in the household that the adults in her her life were like not okay. Right. And shit was not okay. Um, so as I started to kind of come out of that, uh, and kind of unwind, which took a, a couple of weeks, um, during those two weeks, uh, Rather than doing a slow exit from Facebook, which is what I've been planning for months, I just tore the whole thing uh-huh. down. And it's down for good. Like, I didn't, like, put it on, you know, off to the side and I could reactivate it. Like, I killed it <laughs> completely. Right. And it's, it's gone. So I'm completely off Facebook now. And I had experimented with taking breaks from Facebook, like, weeks-long breaks and things like that. Um, and ultimately, I just came to the conclusion of, why am I letting a website make me miserable? Because the answer is so simple. Don't look at the website just don't engage with A
0: lot it. of of the breakdown had to do specifically with...
1: No, it had to do with my inability to communicate with people. Right. I think... I mean, this breakdown, specific. there were specifics in this ba- breakdown I, I can't go into detail on because sure. it's not fair, but there are specific musicians who essentially broke my heart. Yeah. You know, um, and put me in a place where, like, I was like, oh, I thought I... Not just like I thought I could trust you, but like oh, I thought I knew the ground we were standing on, and actually no, I've been like, like the wily e. coyote where he like runs off the cliff, and it takes it's not until he actually looks down and realizes that oh, I'm not on solid ground, right? And he you know falls almost to his death, kind of thing, like stuff like that it had happened both in the fall and in right around January, and that's what like there was a literal events. Right interactions right, 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 right. or lack of interactions with humans that I know with other musicians that made me just lose my mind.
0: I mean, the last time you were here and we were talking on these yeah. mics, like five years ago. Yeah, a lot of what we talked about was um, a sense of disappointment with the musical community. Yeah, but also. Um, you know whether or not you're looking to the right people and places sure. for your emotional Substance, needs to be yeah, met. Health, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And is this a conti- this is like feels like a continuation of that?
1: In some ways I guess it is, but I I did a, actually a good job of distancing myself and becoming more professional in my interactions. Yeah. I just got the shitty end of the stick in this case. This is and it's a tough I had a discussion with a good friend of mine about a year and a half ago, when I was thinking about getting out of music mm-hmm. and he he was adamantly against it, and he was definitely in the camp of like, "Look, just buckle up, dude, get back to work i 've heard you talk this way before. I love you as a friend, but stop this and i was like i don't i 've react i 've done that before i 've buckled up i 've re- kind of like okay screw it i'm just going to get back to work and make some music or practice or whatever and i'll work through this but it's not working for me anymore and i got on this topic with him of well, is he,
0: this is is also a musician this person yeah
1: yeah um this is of i started saying like i get it i've had i just had like a bad stroke of luck here in new york And he got, he pushed back hard on that. He's like, this is not about good luck, bad luck. That's not it. And basically, I think he was pushing back on even the concept that that plays much of a role in this. But in my experience, it really does. Right. You know, in this case with these particular people, like, I didn't overly rely on them. I didn't, like, they, in both these cases with these people, professionally, they fucked up in a huge way. Right. Right. Um, and because our community, uh, the community of musicians that I know of, at least, is, and I won't just say this and find people, you know, I get maybe this is burning a bridge, but I think our community of musicians is emotionally crippled and or, uh, in you know, ch- childish. Like we, you know, there are certain... People have certain. If you're in this, if you're in the similar, if you're in the same job at accepting certain kinds of jobs, if you're in certain careers, you have certain ethical responsibilities to mm-hmm. your colleagues. Mm-hmm. In the name of don't shit where you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you go around being an asshole to people, treating people like shit, you're making the career pool as a whole, you know, the whole atmosphere worse for everyone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff I I think that people do to each other that's not right is just done out of literal thoughtlessness. People are just, like, trying to live their lives and just aren't thinking about what's happening to each other. Um, Coupled with there's not enough work for the musicians in New York City. There Mm -hmm. just isn't. Those two things kind of, you know, that kind of thoughtlessness and the lack of work. You know, we live in a community where it's acceptable to fire somebody from a band by simply never calling them again. Mm Mm-hmm. And as long as we think that's an acceptable way to interact with each other, well, not call them anymore, but still, still think we're going to be friends with that person. Hmm. I, that's happened to me, yeah, more than once. You know, um, it, where someone I got, I got from a like from a band for a recording session for the future of the band, whatever. By they just stopped calling me, but and yet when I would see that person again, I'd be like, "Hey, what's up? What are you doing?" and want to be friends, right. And that's thought of as an acceptable approach to the I mean, profession.
0: I mean, I don't know that it's thought it – might, it might be common, but I don't think it's thought of as an acceptable approach.
1: Well, no one's pushing back hard on well, it. Well,
0: I mean, we live – see, the, the problem that I have is I only have – you know, my professional experience is limited fundamentally to two different worlds, right. restaurants and music. Right. And in both of those worlds, I am – I believe you know are populated by pretty fucked up people right but at the same time because that's all I know like I wonder is the rest of the world like this I don't feel like I have that many friends I feel like I have very few friends I don't yeah you know and I'm you know as I'm getting closer to 40 than I am 30 right um, I'm looking around sort of just like oh well I guess maybe that's just the reality of of getting older is that you don't really have friends
1: well you start I think redefining what you think of as a friend because also you start thinking about like, okay, how often do I need to see somebody physically or talk to someone to right. feel like this relationship is still a, a going concern, you know? And I think that is a natural part. I've uh-huh. definitely experienced that as I've gotten older. I mean, I'm well into my forties now. Yeah. 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 You know, um,
0: I mean the, you know, to engage in creative activity sure. with other people yeah, is by nature a vulnerable experience. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, whatever, maybe this won't be, like, a nice thing to say. Like, right. a lot of jazz music, I think, has actually attempted to to push the other way and have it be, like, a macho event, you know? Yeah, to start, you the, know. that
1: thing's always been there. I think it's always been there, but it's really taken over in a big way.
0: Yeah, but even someone like Miles Davis, like, that's sort of, like, the complex, in, you know, the, the interesting complexity of someone like that is he played so beautifully while being, you know, by all wrestling. accounts, you know, a monster. Yeah. Um. So there I mean the, the, it's I think it's very tempting and there's the inclination that to feel a closeness towards the people with whom you create just yeah. like just because you've done this thing you yeah. know Yeah
1: I'm just talking about basic like professional behavior yeah. Like if someone emails you like the people who who re- replied to me the quickest for simple emails like are you available f- uh, um you know when I <laughs> was <laughs> working the hustle yeah. like are you available for this gig yeah. or um you know whatever question those are the people who always get back to me right away yeah it's the jackasses not always there are some who didn't um you know but there are ja- the, the the there are these jackasses like well i don't have to i've been so busy and you they don't answer the simplest emails mm-hmm. of like how about rehearsal next friday at you know 3 p.m mm-hmm. and you get to thursday of the following week and it's like how especially now How hard is it? I mean, unless you're living in a monastery or something like that, like those kind of basic professional courtesies courtesies to each other. Also courtesies like in issues of like, you know, someone's not working for you in your band. Talk to them about it. Right. Either talk to them about like, see if you want to first as a band leader, figure out like, do I want to fix this with this person? Well, and if yeah, you, I and mean, if, that's just, yeah. And if you, yeah, but that's what I mean. They don't, we don't do that. I haven't experienced that very much in my community, in the communities I've been running in. Like, and if you don't want to, then, you know, be a human enough to go to them and be like, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to look for somebody else for this. And I understand if you need to spend some, like, you know, if this, you know, screws up our friendship for a while, but I really do hope that we can remain friends. Mm-hmm. And then when you also say that, like, act on it because, I mean, Jeremiah, what happened basically is the only time I was seeing my friends, my colleagues, not even friends, just colleagues Mm. in music, was when I was spending money. I was either, and this wasn't on purpose, it's just the way things have happened and settled out. And when I talk about luck, this is, I mean, like being in New York City, early 21st century, for me as a middle-aged white male, there's lots of amazing things about it. I have enormous fluidity and mobility in my life, but in, in this particular realm... You know, if I wanted to see just even a friend, I had to hire them for a gig or I had to pay money to go and see them at a gig. And that's still true today, basically. Like, I can't get hold of anyone to save my life for just a simple, like, let's get a beer. Let's have a cup of coffee.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, even in, like, I reduced my circle of people I reach out to to very, very small. Like, a very small circle of people and, you know, maybe half dozen at the very most. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, I'll reach out to somebody outside that circle. But even within that small circle, like I, you know, it's for whatever reason, just making time to see each other or talk to each other has proved elusive at best.
0: I mean, I think culturally, and I'm not, I, I I, I identify very closely with what you're saying. I think culturally, and I can speak for myself when I say this. Like there has been. like an emotional crippling effect, emotionally crippling effect right. from the integration of social media, right. iPhones, where people, like, no one calls each other anymore. They text, you know? Right. And that's, you know,
1: I, th- I think that's, they, worthy,
0: that's worth noting.
1: Or they don't text, you know, or right. whatever. Right, exactly.
0: right. Uh, people, I think, and it's, you know, again, like I said, something I said earlier, it's hard for me to parse out what's what, how much of it is, like, as you get into middle age. St- you know, things sure. change. Sure. You know, I, I have a number of people who I hold in the absolute highest regard who I never see. Right. When I see each other, like I, I sense there's a sense of guilt on both behalf of both parties for yeah. having not, you know, made the time to connect with one another. Right. The more that goes on, I mean I've lately in the last couple of months never felt more alone in my entire life. Sure. Um and there's a lot that goes along with that. There's sadness. There's resentment. There's acceptance. You start
1: going crazy. But
0: also, you know, to speak to something that you just said, it's like when when relationships begin to feel transactional. Yeah. Like where does that leave you? Right. No, exactly. but that's a question. Where does that leave you? That Angers le-
1: le- left me in a place where, uh, you know, I I had this big falling, this big kind of nuclear level meltdown based on this experience sad with sad and ashamed right. um and i guess all the talk of this is like to say like basically i was getting defense just now getting defense and being like no i wasn't like asking these guys to be best friends or anything right. they i just got st- i happened to get screwed and you know two different instances very close together um but i also was h- Hyper aware of the fact that I, as much as I've been hi- fighting it and trying to make sure it didn't happen, I've been getting more and more bitter and more and more angry and bothered. And I don't want to be that way because, Jeremiah, you know this, there is, there will never be enough money in our lives, in our lifetimes to pay us for the amount of work that's necessary to make a decent piece of art. Not even good. Just something we can both go, yeah, okay, I don't hate that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, yeah. I can, I I will do better but, eh,
2: yeah. you know,
1: and t- we'll never get paid enough in our lifetimes. But that's, I suspect, why you also entered it. I entered it. The job is one of the few smart ideas that I had as a 19-year-old, which was I, I realized I'm built for the long haul. I need job satisfaction over economic security. So I'm like, I need the job that I'm not going to want to retire from. So given that there's not enough money then the only other thing I can really get from is some kind of emotional remuneration. And if that, even that's not coming, you know, because I'm getting just so bitter and angry towards my colleagues and the people around me, then I need to really reevaluate things. Um, and this is the part that's weird is that people, and again, it's something it's, I've had a hard time communicating, but because besides being built like an intrinsic thing for me is to communicate with people is I'm really built to be a live performer. Like my ideal life is stepping on to relatively small stages for groups of like 20 to maybe 50 people Mm -hmm. once in a while, you know, at a big festival. But like, you know, smaller crowds doing a live show and doing that on average per year. I would say currently I'd love it if I could do that about six months out of each year, like five days a week. Mm -hmm. Kind of averaged out. That's what I want to do. And that's what I'm built for. That's what I'm my most charismatic Self. So. And I can't do that now. I can't engage because I've removed myself from. Wait wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. So going back. So this thing what happened ha- with these people that left you feeling depressed, disenchanted, angry.
1: Crazy. Crazy. It made me crazy. It made me crazy.
0: So you said, all right, that's it. I quit music.
1: I, what I, as I started to recover my wits, I really disengaged from from the internet. I shut down my website. My website, you still get at 404s now. There's nothing there, really. I mean, there's the the frame of it, but there's no content on there anymore. So
0: uh, were you thinking, I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to take my music offline. I'm going to...
1: No, no, I left that there, but I mean, I'm so kind of disenchanted and to a certain extent nihilistic. Like... I don't even know if people are listening to it because it's one of the parts of being lonely in today's day and age. When people tell me that they've enjoyed my music, I don't even know if they've, especially if they're a musician, I don't know if they're blowing smoke up my ass or if they've actually heard it because I wasn't there with them. And I didn't perform for them in a live show. And even if I know for sure that they did, what I and my selfishness really want is I want to make the art for them in front of them right at that moment. Where I, I live and breathe. Anyway, so I left the music up, but I shut down my Facebook site. Um, I kept a Twitter account, but I got off of that, and I gave myself about a good week or two to decompress and kind of, like, calm down. Um, and then I, through talking to my therapist um, a lot, because at that point, I had she forced me, you know, because she's a smart woman, to check in with me about every two to three days.
2: she we'll call
1: you. Yeah. Well, or say, and if I didn't call her, if she, she would say, "Call me mm-hmm. in like forty-eight hours." If I don't hear from you, I'm going to call you, and if I don't hear from you in three days, I am going to call and see. Yeah. Like, I'm going to contact your wife and blah 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 and see, because because she's really worried about me, um, uh, not just because she's doing her job, but we actually like each other as people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, through kind of contemplating that, I realized like, okay. I don't part of me doesn't want to leave the hustle like because I that's what I live for is to play music, do live performances of music. But it is ruining my life and looking around at the totality, the totality of my life. That from my vantage point, and it's still true right now, actually, lots of things were incredible. We had just moved into this new, enormous apartment that we're really happy with. Um. You know, we kind of won the housing lottery, so to speak, with that. Right, right. You know, and having an amazing Perfect place. place. Yeah. And my wife's now healthy. My daughter's healthy. Like, since that last podcast, my uh daughter, uh, my wife was diagnosed with and is now, for the moment, um I'll just say she, she'll get mad at me, but she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's great now. Yeah. Things are okay. But we had six years there where every year – Someone in the Brooklyn Sentence ended up in the hospital. Yeah. And like the th- fourth year was probably the least traumatic, but it still sucked because I had to get an appendectomy, an emergency appendectomy five days before I took Ideal Bread on our first and only European tour. And it was the first time I'd ever led a band on a European tour. It's like five or six days i had to have my appendix out. The doctors were saying, you can't do this. And I looked at laura my wife and i'm like i'm doing this and i could see behind her eyes like oh god damn it don't and but she's amazing and she said i know i know you're gonna do it you'll you're gonna do it yeah and the guys in the band took great care of me like tomo was like acting kind of like oh yeah he's like acting like dead mother he kept looking at me like and he watched how much i was drinking and all that which was a good idea um so even then that one sucked, but every year we ended up, someone in the, is in the hospital. Yeah. No one's been in the hospital for like three years now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no one's been in the hospital. We're living in an amazing place. My wife has a job that she's okay with. She doesn't love it, but she doesn't hate it. Kids, my daughter's happy, yeah. you know, and doing well. Um, I have the option to like, you know, watch amazing movies, listen to amazing music, um, cook food in like an incredible kitchen all the stuff like i have you want right exactly it just happened in this one part of my life and my professional aspirations which for the longest time have really been my only aspirations and the ones that
0: have seemingly driven you the most
1: crazy exactly
0: yeah
1: it hasn't worked out both partly my fault because of the pressure i put on myself but also just through you know like, if you think of people's careers on like kind of that bell curve, like okay, you're gonna have some people are gonna do incredibly well, just right person at the right time, uh-huh. and just stuff falls in for them. Not that they don't work hard or right. aren't incredibly talented, but it's the but people the that we. Between and then right. most most of us are just kind of like shuffling along. But yeah. then there are gonna does imply that there are gonna be some people who just like. They don't, it doesn't happen for them. Not because they didn't work hard enough, not because they're not talented, mm-hmm. but all sorts of combinations and all, uh, uh, combinations of things in a kind of a genuine mystery. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if I'm one of those people, um, because I know lots of us, lots of artists in New York city and everywhere feel like they're that person.
0: The person I didn't
1: make it. Yeah. On the opposite end of the bell curve, right. that bell curve, but, I felt it so deeply that it I had sacrificed my emotional and mental health. And I'm like, okay, well, this part of my life's not going right, so I'm going to do what I've been told to do by people in my life, and I'm going to shift my attention to those who are, are giving me unconditional love and taking care of me and make me feel okay about myself and encourage me and just make me not crazy. And that's my wife and my daughter, really. You know, and I...
0: So if but, I understand it, it was a concerted effort to shift the focus from this place where you felt like you were constantly hitting your head against the wall to the place that... Uh, to your family.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. in this case. And I'm, you know, I I'm in... This is not a complaint. And I know it sounds like a complaint, but it's not a complaint. I am incredibly fortunate to... Being a long-term... I mean, my wife and I, we've been together, just together for 22 years. Mm. So we've been together a long time. We're still in love with each other. Yeah. You know, the marriage is work, but it's strong. Um, we have an incredible daughter who drives us nuts, and we love to death. Um, you know, I... I have this incredible family that wants to take care and can take care of me. Like, we're really lucky in that we have, you know, financial help from her family and it can really make it happen. So, we are way less stressed out than sure. lots of other people. Um, it's never what I aspired to, though. And that's what I mean. I don't mean this, I know it sounds like a complaint, but I, for the longest time, I was just like, I just want a successful career. That's all I want. I want a successful career. I want, and by successful, I want to be, you know, when I was young, I wanted to be famous, of course. Now I don't want to be famous. I just want to work all the time. Yeah. I want to, yes, I want to perform, but I don't want to be the one paying out money to perform. Any, for the past bunch of years, anywhere from 75 to 99% of my performances were self-generated, which means I was spending money to make it happen, yeah. which means I was spending money to do my job. And yeah it's, bad
0: finance.
1: yeah, it's not only bad finance emotionally and in a capitalist society, it's, om- it's kind of an untenable pressure. It, yeah. You know, I mean, you have to be a special kind of spiritualized person to be like, okay, that's all right. And you can just kind of buckle under that. And I'm like, I'm not that person. And so anyway, I looked at my life and I'm like, I don't want to leave the hustle because I don't want to stop performing, but I have to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Like I'm kind of just on this level below happiness mm-hmm. because God, do I miss performing? And I have, I've done a small handful of performances like four since January and I keep them really quiet. I don't spam about them. They don't even get on I, they hardly even make it to a Twitter feed. If it does, it's like a retweet of someone's thing. Um, m- so I miss it. Like you wouldn't believe, like it's just, it's a, It's a it's a tough hole. A time frame
0: on this thing? No, because
1: I had to be honest with myself, and I'd be like, I need to learn to be okay again. I need to learn to take take care of myself, but just be okay and be healthy. I have started exercising. I see um, a trainer like once a week. He's like, gets me exercising. I go. We live next to Prospect Park now. I force myself to run like twice a week around through the park, kind of stuff. Um, I've started a meditation practice. Um, and you know, I'm trying to keep those things going with as much regularity as I can and honor those activities. Um, I still really miss, really miss live performance and I would love to do it again, but I don't, and I do certainly contemplate it, but I have to be honest with myself and be like, well, if it's, there's lots of stuff that goes on in our community where people say something to the effect of take care of music and the music will take care of you. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you kind of take care of your art, it'll like, things will fall into place. And for me at this time in my life, I haven't experienced that to be true. Um, That what takes care of me are the people in my life. And I take care of me in my life. Mm -hmm. As far as like being able to wake up and just do the dishes and clean myself and dress myself like the music unfortunately for me i'm sorry to say because i know it's a downer but that doesn't take care of that for me um if i when i take care of the music i'm taking care of the music and i'm intensely proud of the music i've made um i'm intensely proud of my abilities on my instruments um you know i have so much more to learn about music but i You know, I take the craft of it very, very seriously, and I've worked very hard at it. Um, But it hasn't, not only has it not resulted in work, just actual chances to play with people where I don't have to purchase their time, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, because that's wonderful that I, We both know incredible musicians who like us enough, respect us enough, love us enough that we contact them and they have the time. They'll come and work for us. We still have to pay them for that time. Um, You know, it hasn't resulted in in the kind of work where I don't have to pay people for that time. But it hasn't even resulted in me being emotionally functional. Not really. You know, I always kind of live my life being like, okay if I can just make it to the stage and then I'll have this moment of grace because that's, and I literally thought of it in those terms, like, okay, once I'm on stage and any capacity in anyone's group, pretty much, um, that's how it started. I just need to get to that moment of grace. It'll make all of this worth it. And the, the real estate around that little zone started shrinking more and more. Like, It just got – I became more and more miserable outside of that circle. And then it started happening like, okay, I don't want to do the gig where I'm just like sitting here counting rests and then I get paid 20 bucks at the end of it and I've given up like four hours Mm -hmm. over the course of two rehearsals plus the show. Like, I just don't want to do that. It doesn't feed me anymore. you know. So then I started saying no to those things and I started saying no to like, okay, like, you know – in one instance, I had the, the great opportunity to, like, play music I really loved and in a, a fairly successful group. But there wasn't nearly enough money to pay me for the emotional kind of pressure and difficulties of it. Like, I was, I was having nightmares. Mm-hmm. And so I had to leave that group. I'm like, I, after years of wrestling with it and burdening my wife and my friends with, like, bitching about it, I was like, I can't stay in this group because I'm not getting paid enough for it. So I had to say no to that group. Um, Basically, I couldn't play music no matter what I I started reaching that place And the space got so small, finally Where it's like, okay This, now it's not I'm not a functioning Human being
0: But do you see in your crystal ball Do you see a time when What sounds like you're going through right now Has been a period of Mm self-repair And and, um, And introspection Which is like, first and foremost I think a deeply admirable thing Uh, For anyone in any capacity of like, where you know, whether you're
1: a, I'm really lucky to be able to do it. Though I recognize that that I'm in an enormously rare and fortunate situation where I can do that. Right.
0: Um, Do you see yourself getting to a place where you can get on the bandstand again and be divorced from that all that tension and and expectation and
1: I don't know. I don't know, and that's
0: is that the idea.
1: No, that's not the idea because that's too much. I can't live with that pressure right now. I can't. I mean, there's a certain pressure that comes from being optimistic that right now has actually damaged me. Yeah. I can't. I can't live with that pressure of like, okay, I got the gig. I'm going to do this gig, and it's going to, you know, and immediately thoughts of like. The next gig, when's that going to happen? Maybe it'll happen from this. Maybe this will happen. or That'll happen. Or the gig even when I don't have that, once the gig's over, like okay, now I got to plan the next gig. And currently in New York City, it is. I mean, I can't even get. I have to wait usually, if I'm lucky, six months to get a gig in my neighborhood. And I live in Park Slope. Right. There's a bunch of places I could go and play. Now there's like a couple of jazz jam sessions, but I I left doing that a while ago because mm-hmm. it just wasn't again emotional remuneration versus financial i'm like okay right right you know if it's not fun at this point there's little point in doing it because i won't make money at it right
0: and you don't find meaning in it right
1: yeah so i had to move on um and i respect it immensely like the the jazz as a style and the people are able to do that that's i have enormous respect for it i don't look down on it at all it's incredible um it just turned out the world showed me that currently it's not the path for me. Um, but I can't. I My reality is it takes me at least six months to get a gig in my neighborhood. And there are places I can go and play. And I realize, like, oh, I can show up at these places regularly, show my face there. I can be, like, a good citizen, show up and support other people's music, be there for the hang, you know. Put money in people's, the, the establishment's pocket, et cetera, et cetera. I can work, and the whole time work on my music and make it better and better and better and better connections, blah, 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 blah. In my case, it's not actually changed that equation. I've lived in New York now for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people have lived here longer, but mm-hmm. I've, I definitely feel a like long time. a New Yorker now. I. And I'll still play just about anyone's music now just with the caveat of like, okay, if I'm going to be sitting around doing nothing or if I'm going to be bored, then I really do have to be paid for it. I won't do it that for free anymore. But that's what I also mean by luck. Like, people don't need a baritone saxophone right now. They don't. Not that I've seen. And other people say, well, what about blah, blah, blah. And like, for whatever reason, I'm not, I don't know how to get myself patched into those worlds or those gigs. I'll play in a salsa band. I don't know how to get my way into the salsa mm-hmm. I'll play in somebody's, like, you know, if someone did a Balkan brass band with a baritone saxophone, of course I'd do that, but they don't do that. So, you know, I'll do whatever, but those, that's just not happening for me. So the only time I play is when I put it together, and then it's my own idiosyncratic music. Yeah. So basically, if I'm sitting around and I have to do that kind of hustle and wait six months just to make... A small concert happen, um, I, I can't live that way. I just, I just can't. And so I had to be real with myself when I stepped away from this whole thing. I'm like, I, you know, I didn't say, okay, this is for good. I'm out. Forget it. Mm-hmm. And I, but I also didn't say, oh, it's just going to take a brief respite. I'm like, no, I'm just stopping. I'm stopping and I'm distancing myself really from the other people making music that I know. Um, and I feel pretty ghostly. With all that stuff and while when I encounter other musicians I can definitely be a weirdo now and and things can feel weird for me most of the time I'm fine you know I get down about things but I can recover from them now they don't color my entire world Mm -hmm. on my way over here I was getting bothered thinking about various like hustle music related things but I knew even if I wasn't coming here to talk I would like you know say go for a run or Maybe pick up my instrument and play. Maybe not pick up my instrument. Maybe, like, you know, I've been watching this talk Steven Soderbergh gave in 2013 about the future of cinema. Go and finish watching that. I'm, like, rereading the Karamazov Brothers. I'll go and do that. Whatever. Like, I can actually work through it now. And I will say this. If I can find a way to perform again regularly without becoming any more because i am i mean it's the sad thing about being when you start becoming bitter it's kind of stays with you
0: it's very corrosive
1: until not just corrosive but i don't know any way to get rid of it it's like kind of almost like permanent bar. it's like rust almost yeah even when you remove it you're taking away some of this actual thing it's leached onto Mm -hmm. so i do have bitterness i do feel bitterness Mm -hmm. um towards the musical community and towards aspects of my life um I can't really add to that right now. I can't afford to, and I won't. I'm
0: happy to to. hear that you have established what sounds like a strong sense of self preservation. Right. And um, a good version of self medication, you know. Right. um,
1: Right. One that won't kill me or destroy my liver or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: or, you know, get you arrested or whatever. But did, I mean, but what about the music itself? I mean, are you still enjoying listening to Steve Lacey? Do you still. Uh, like pick up the horn and feel a sense of satisfaction that's somewhere deep beyond words some days yeah
1: some days i don't i mean because that's also what had started happening for years i was lucky enough that just blowing long tones worked as a great form of meditation for me but it stopped being that several years ago for me like yeah. i would as of pretty much yeah since we last even since we last talked during that whole time i and I would diligently work every day, play my long terms and like, I'm trying to play through these constant thoughts of like, why won't this person call me? Why can't this person get back to me? Why can't I get this gig? Why yeah. can't, you know, this, why can't blah, 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 all of it. And that kept, and it got to the point where it was so loud in my head that it actually, even for the past year, it's been a real chore to practice. Like because I yeah. would sometimes have practice sessions where my I basically I went ahead and practiced and I'm glad I did it, but I spent the whole time trying to ignore
2: the this devil that voice kept of,
1: this yeah. voice of bitterness um the whole time. So you know well let me let me ask you this. Why because I'm just gonna pin you to it because it's not fair because um I'm gonna make you the representative for all these other people, but there have been other people, mainly musicians because that's most of who I know, who have said pretty much what you've said to me. Which is? Like, do you still pick up... What about the music? Do you still pick up the instrument? Do you still feel that sense of satisfaction? Yeah, are, you, yeah, yeah. are you still involved with music? Um, as much as that's an incredible sentiment, and it, like it's meaningful to me as a, okay, he cared, you care about me. I'm also like, well, why? I, what I guess I want to know is why you're asking that. And I say that because... Kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about if someone's listening to my music on the Internet or whatever, great. But what I want are people to come to the shows Mm -hmm. Um, because that's the other thing, too, is like if people and I, I tried this for a while with telling people here in New York City that for the time I lived in Chicago, musicians always went to each other's shows and i kept telling everyone like look if we come to each other's shows at the very least there'll be us there and we'll be playing to somebody and we'll feel less shitty cuz i've played to no people before mm-hmm. i've had that happen we and we did that duo concert at i like only peter ganushkin and, and, and maybe scott friedlander like two people showed up yeah it was nothing and um you know we'll at least have that but i also predicted like look if a, if a, we all sh- come to each other's shows people are just going to by walk by and by like kind of the law of like sheep they'll see something's happening
0: and they'll check it out right right
1: plus these venues are won't be able to rest so much on that thing of like well you're not drawing a crowd right um but still in all yeah we don't go to each other's shows and so i stopped doing i knew i was just annoying people and i knew it wasn't doing any good um so i guess i i can't i have to say that when other people have said to me like oh but you're still doing music or whatever and part of me has been like what if I am? It doesn't really matter, like cause, well, like, no, but I mean, it does if, matter. Why do okay? Well, then why does it matter to you? Why was I asking? Yeah, why are you asking? Why does it matter to you?
0: Well, let me think about it. For three reasons, or a few, a, a couple of reasons. One, right. as I'm trying, I'm just trying to better understand what this period has been for you. Right. So. I mean, I'm asking to, to find out, like, is is that still a part of your life? You know, as you go to a therapist, you go for runs, you hang right. out with your family. These are all things that right. are sort of repairing some of these wounds. Right. And for, you know, for most of us, right. as far as I know, right. music has been the thing that we first started doing at a young age to right. deal with some of that, um, uh, those troubled feelings we have. Sure. So one i'm asking so i can have like a full image of of what you're telling me about two i'm asking for um like self uh like self-serving reasons you know cuz i'm constantly at a loss constantly trying to figure out how i can
2: right
0: not fucking kill myself right you know um yep. so i'm literally trying to just mine your experience to yeah. to to see what you know to try it on for myself in my head yeah, yeah, yeah. um but then also, I'm curious about what is happening. Is there a creative evolution taking place as well? because what, what you were describing so far is, you know, it, I mean, it sounds like someone you know who has gotten out of treatment or something. You're kind of learning yeah. to put one step in front of the other again, or
1: burns out on a corporate job or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, which is what happened to my wife.
0: Right. You so, know. I mean, those would be the main reasons that I'm asking.
1: I mean, as far as, like, for your selfish reasons, like, and that's interesting, because I, when I sent out the email announcing my break, like, that that did get the biggest number of responses I've ever gotten from my mail. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, you know,
0: fairly dramatic email. I, well, because we always say, like, musicians, I've said this a million times, like, okay, I quit music, how, like, do I send a letter of resignation to John Zorn, or, like, what right. do I do?
1: Well, and I think also it's, it's a fear that's lurking for so many of us. It's like well, I can't quit this. But, and part of your brain's like, especially in today's society here in the United States, early 21st century, it's like, yeah, but why am I doing this? Like there's so it, it, like the, the kind of practical, the quote unquote practical reasons seem to get smaller every day uh, or can feel smaller every day. So I think for a lot of us, it's always this battle of like, do I, am I going to stay in the hustle? Am I not going to stay in the hustle? Because I, have kind of given into the fact that what we do, like playing instrumental music and especially playing instrumental music where not only do we not know what's going to happen from minute to minute, but that's a feature (laughs) of it, makes us about as relevant to American culture as poetry. Do you want to
0: be relevant to American culture in in 2018?
1: If it means means I get to work. Yes, right, right. You know, I mean, I'll admit it. Like, I see people getting, like, I just looked at something online today where, like, you know, this, like, really dumb to me very dumb big band is playing this big jazz festival coming up soon and i looked at him like yeah that's really dumb music they have two baritone players and there's a tiny voice in my head being like why don't they call me yeah because i want to do that that's why i got in the hustle in the first place like i can eat this shit like you want me to play like girl from ipanema every night okay if you pay me for it sure and not even that much i'm a cheap date yeah um but as far as like quitting it's actually the easiest thing in the world to do you don't have to announce anything. And in fact, both my wife and my uh, and my therapist counseled me for weeks not to make the move that I did. And they kept being like, why are you, why not just Faith. go ahead and take a break, but just don't say anything. Just don't say anything. It's okay. Why make a big deal out of it? Because both of them had this practical thought of like, well, you might be missing out on work. And I'm kind of like, I'm not really going to miss out on much work. Right and i might have screwed there up my you're chances limiting of getting possibilities, right. right why are why is someone going to call a person who said that they they've quit um i mean i will put it out there now like if someone really wants if someone wants to play music with me just give me a call i'll yeah. still do that yeah yeah you know i because i've also long ago realized that music is an intrinsically social activity i love to make music with people it's and i'm not an intrinsically social person i'm good at it but I do better when I'm just left by myself in many yeah. ways. Um, but playing music with people, love it. It's my, really my, you know, playing music with people in front of an audience is really my number one favorite thing to do with my time. And, and stop. Like that's really all I've wanted to do with my time and find a way to jigger it up so I could do that regularly. And I did get myself to a point where I was sort of doing that regularly, but it's such emotional cost that I was a disaster as a human being. And I don't, and that's the thing is I don't have to be a disaster. So I just said, I'm stopping. I'm not doing this. I'm saying no, and I'm going to do it in a very public way. So I feel some sense of control over the situation mm-hmm. rather than kind of hiding at home and like kind of nursing my like bitterness. of like, they're not calling me and They're not calling me. In. Now I have at least a slight sense of like, well, I did tell everyone that I'm no, Like, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the easiest thing in the world to do. And you can anyone can do it and they can do it in any way that makes sense to you, that makes it so it's worth doing. In my case, as much as it hurts and I don't, there are parts of it I, I don't like in the scheme of like weighing it out. It's, I hate to say it, but it's been the right choice for me. Um, it's not something I would have predicted I was ever going to do with my life mm-hmm. at any point. And even like last year or the year before when I was seriously contemplating it, I was like, there's a pretty serious part of, of myself that was like, no, I can't, I can't let go. I gotta, gotta stay in it. I gotta keep doing it. And I just finally like, yeah, I have that part of me and I'll always be there and I'll always have, have be an ambitious person for the moment at least. Um, but, uh, I, I'm, I almost got hospitalized, Yep. you know, and some, some of my fault, some of it, not my fault. Uh, so that's the first part of it. As far as like playing music on my own, I do it when I feel like doing it, you know, um, I, I keep it as a fairly private activity now. Once in a while, there's a few people I play with semi regularly. Um, you know, some days I, I mean, for, I didn't pick up the horn or, make any musical sound until i i had one professional engagement i had that i had had for almost a year that i had to fulfill in february which is great i was totally happy to do it for a friend playing her music it was a lot of fun it was great but outside of that like i didn't touch my instrument from beginning of january until like mid-march it's a long time um because i just felt like so scared of what was going to happen in my head and my emotional life if I did that Uh, if I pick this thing up that brings me so much happiness am I going to kind of get back to that place I mean like I gotta like get out there I gotta get people calling me I gotta because I can't I unfortunately can't have that happen like yeah I am in kind of recovery in that way like I can't live that way because it. in my personal case it makes me a kind of a rotten human being Mm -hmm. makes me someone I wouldn't want to be around Mm -hmm. and I promised myself a long time ago that I was not going to be one of those bitter assholes that we all know who are like constantly bitching about stuff and even when they have good never mind great stuff happening in their life particularly musically like and they're still bitching about it I'm like and for some of my friends that I'm still I don't I hardly ever see musicians now but the ones I do see they're pretty careful about complaining about their musical lives to me. Cause they know that I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm, I can't even say sucks to be you. Like I, I you know, so it's the easiest thing in the world to do in a certain way as far as an actual taking action thing. Mm-hmm. You just stop, you mm-hmm. just stop all of it. Yeah. There's issues of like, wow, what do I do with all my free time? In my free time, I started going crazy, watching lots of movies, um, I don't know. Other people would not have recommended this, but they did that big Ing- Ingmar Bergman uh, film festival oh, the yeah, film yeah, yeah. forum, and I saw like eight of those movies, uh-huh. and um, you know, I decided I got way into cooking and figure started teaching myself how to make paella, and I make a decent paella now. Uh-huh. You know, I started, you know, but I still had to figure out like, well, what do I do today? Shit, like. You know, because I always had two to four hours of my day accounted for it every day that I woke up. And it's still available to me if I feel like doing it. It's just now if I'm going to make music, given my current situation, the only sensible, emotionally sensible way for me to make music, that I'm making music right now is when I decide to make music. So when I decide to make music or record something, I go and do it. If I don't feel like making music, I don't do it. I, do I want to be in a place where I'm compelled to make music because I have engagements with people? Of course I do. But mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... I'm through after 20-plus years of, you know, of just really screwing myself up to to make it my life like that. I I, I can't do it mm-hmm. anymore. So, um, yeah, it's, it's actually remarkably easy to do. Um, the hard... And it's even the thing that you're afraid of because I had one older musician saying you can't do this because then you stop being a professional musician. And he doesn't make his living from it. He just meant like as a self-identity thing, which I totally understood. And there's part of me now that just doesn't under- identify in that way. But I was always troubled by that identity anyway because I wasn't working all the time or certainly not enough in my mind for it to make sense to me. Um, but I, I did learn like, you know what? That's not so important to me. Being, whether or not people call me a professional musician, I kind of don't care. Like, I care about more practical issues. I care about, like, if I do decide to go and do a show again, I care about people coming to hear me play and being part of that audience. That matters to me. Um, When I cook dinner for friends, I care about having good food and spending time with friends, Mm -hmm. you know. And overall, I actually care more about spending time with people. That's basically what I've done is like harassing people like you or mm-hmm. just like a handful of other people mm-hmm. now and then. I'm like, the worst about getting okay. back to people. Mm, no, there are worse I people. know, but I mean, I'm- there are worse people. <laughs> trust me. Yeah. There are much, you actually at least get back and you're like, ah, I'm busy, yeah. you know. Um, I, and that's actually made me shrink my circle of peers even more because <laughs> right? I also decided like I'm through chasing after people. I'm yeah. just not going to do it. And yeah, in some cases that's meant that there are certain people when I see them in person now, I'm pretty cold to them and they're like, man, what's up? Josh's ass. I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't believe you when you say that we're friends or that we're right. okay. Like, cause it's one thing not to see anyone that you respect for a long time, but I'm talking about people that have been really important to me and now live like a few blocks or a short subway ride away from me and can't make the time for a coffee for a fricking sandwich. I'm like, okay, that's, I, I had to X those people out of my life in my own mind and I'm polite to them, Mm -hmm. but I'm like pretty closed off. Um, but yeah, if I make music, it's because I want to make music and I'm very careful and cagey about it because I have to manage my expectations about it and tell my and really and the nice thing about it is when I do make the music I, I do think when I make music now in public it's the best music I've ever made in my life in fact I know it is um, because I'm so completely in the moment now and I'm so completely committed to what I'm making that like this is yes this is exactly what I want to do and come hell or high water I'm going to do it and you know what I don't even happens tomorrow who knows I mean need- I just don't care about it. That along with all the, just like, just as a craftsperson and like 25 years of really committing to the craft of like just the skills I have at doing it. I, I know I can guarantee put on a good concert for people. Even people don't like my music. will be like, okay, well, it wasn't boring. No one can say, accuse me. Well, some people could, but I don't think anyone could legitimately accuse me of putting on a boring concert. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, Anyone can do it. Uh, should anyone do it? Absolutely not. And did I want to do it? No. Am I happy in this place? Not really, but I'm not miserable. I mean, I can live with myself and most importantly, really and truly and this is the thing that's important, we don't have models for it in our lives. It's like my family's happy. My wife has said, "Yeah, I can tell you're pretty down about things, but you're so much calmer."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's which means she's able to cheer me up. My daughter is able to cheer they can me do up.
0: Their job as a family member.
1: And they can not only feel like, yeah, they can not only feel like, oh, I took care, like, you know, oh, great, Josh feels better. But, like, that's what they want to do. They want to be able to take care of me. And now they can. You know, and I'm lucky to have that. You know, um, if I didn't have that, which is a question I'm sure for some people, I would have, honestly, as much as I didn't, wouldn't want to, I would have left New York City years ago. Yeah, I would have probably five, six years ago moved to Berlin. Right now, if I had no wife or child, which I can't imagine because my life would really suck without it. um, But if I didn't, I would probably try Berlin again. But I would just let myself wander all over the place. Mm -hmm. My dad kind of picked that up about me. He's like, yeah, you'd you'd be a gypsy just wandering around. Which is actually how most people, how most musicians, most performing artists live their lives. They go to where the work is. The work is not here for me. It is for other people. I'm happy for them. But I want to work, and it's not here for me. And I I don't, I, and that's what's really changed as a 46-year-old. Like, I don't believe anymore, like, okay, I'll just keep at it, my turn will come. Like, five, ten years from now, there'll be a series or a venue that opens, and they want to have me. There might, but there's an equal probability that there won't. Like, I can't hang my hopes on that. And that's because it's not smart. I've done, you know, I'm going to really, really hurt myself. There's a good chance of that. Um, And that's a part of our lives and particularly in the arts where it's really a lottery, you know, because plenty of people go into jobs that they don't care about. And so they're not hanging their emotional health on this. We hang our emotional health on this because it's the only logical reason to do it. And if I'm going into things hoping that like it's going to quote unquote work out I mean, I don't regret what I've done in the past, but in a certain way, it has not worked out for me, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, sometimes I make music, sometimes I don't, I keep it very private, very personal. Um, currently what I'm engaged in is I basically have like, I would say in my life, I have two active going concerns that are actually things are happening with them, um, I am trying. Uh, I did record an album in June. The album is done, like, done, done. Um, just
0: like um, a month ago.
1: Yeah, Yeah. beginning of June. I mean, I work fast because I'm good at making decisions. And, um, yeah, it's these days, and I have the people that I like to work with and do things with, and so as far as, like, and because it's especially a really unambitious sonically record, um, just like a very much a straight up kind of avant jazz record. I
0: listened to it. I thought it sounded great. Thanks. I mean sonically I thought I was I Thanks. was actually very impressed by it.
1: Thanks. I work hard on making yeah. a good record, but I didn't have to do like like that ideal bread record, the beating the teens, each tune had to get the, differently tweaked and there was like there was enormous yeah. that took months right. to do. This took like days. Right. And then the art's done, it'll be all printed in my hands in about three weeks from now. So I am looking I am trying to do a little celebration a party. So you're putting Open out a release record. of that in November. Yeah, and I want, and I really want the show to happen in Manhattan. Basically, every week there's about three places that I think makes sense for me to be in in Manhattan, and I would like to be in. I send them an email every week. One person occasionally replies; the other two never get back to me. I have no, I have no. I mean, if I had some kind of in with Zorn, yeah, I would love to do it at the Stone. Right. or Something through that. I. I don't exist for him, so that's not a a thing that I can do. And really, there's no other place in in Manhattan that I can go to that I know of that people will come and would come to hear music like mine, like that's on this record. Anyway, it's a record I made with Chris Hoffman and Tom Rainey. Um, They're amazing, and I get I feel comfortable around them. I don't, you know, they are not just great like artists, but they. Know as people, we get along, yeah, you know, and we keep things very professional and clear, and at the same time, we're friendly with each other, so I can manage that. Um, so I'm trying to do a concert, uh, like, and there is one concert booked at Firehouse 12, which is great, it's like the best place to play. I know, and I've never gotten to play there, so I'm super psyched about it. You've never played there at all, ever, no, see, and that's the thing, it's it's a perfect venue. That's why I started getting bitter about things, like, the people that I would have expected to play with by now, I haven't played with. There's such a long list of musicians that I would love to play with. And sure, some of them I could just hire them. I'm just not built for that. Right. You know, it's, yeah. Um, Long list of people I've never played with that I would have thought I would by now. And a long list of, like, festivals and clubs and local places, just local clubs that I would have wanted, I, you know, would have, I thought that... With all this time I put in into this, that like I would have had my shot already, and maybe I have, and I missed it or something. But for the most part, I haven't played those places.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it just hasn't worked out that way for me, despite my efforts in every regard. Um, anyway, so I have two shows on that in November. I have one other thing that I recorded, and um, I'm like sifting through it now. Wait, is this a solo? No, that's another trio. That's a really specific. That's a trio built on the idea of playing really quickly, really quietly with uh silence as a as a um used as a essential structural element in it. It's basically seeing how much how much music can I make without making sound and how fast can I make it feel? And who's that who's that with? That's with Todd Newfeld on guitar and uh-huh. Giacomo Morega on uh bass guitar. Okay. Um and originally I was going to write for us but we didn't need to. Um and We just did a whole bunch of playing and we had played, you know, we'd done a lot of sessions together. Um, And so I'm sifting through that. Uh, I'll look into releasing that next year. I have glimmers of other ideas in my head. That's, I do miss that. I don't ever dream in music now, you know, especially after the crash and burn in January because I'd reached this place where, like, the past bunch of years, I'd, like, I would dream in music. Like, music would just come into my skull and, like, it would take me a while to write it out, but it would come. It's still pretty much gone right now Mm -hmm. um i think because i'm so gun shy about it and i don't want to get too overwhelmed into this thing of like i have to do this i have to do this i have to do this because yeah i i don't know we'll see so i have glimmers of things little hints of things that come at me um little ideas for things uh there's a couple solo pieces i've never gotten around to documenting that i should document properly but that's really it you know and i just I leave my door open to anyone. Like I I tell people when people are like, you know, when people ask me like, so you're not playing at all. I'm like, well, look, if you want to play, give me a call, shoot me an email. Like I'm down to get together with people. I'm always down to do that. Um, And I think that's the thing that's weird for people. They're like, well, Josh, did you really quit or did you not quit? I'm like, well, I quit the hustle. I quit working to hang out with other musicians, which is work for all of us Mm -hmm. because all of us have day jobs with only a couple of exceptions. Um, I quit all of that work. I quit caring about it, frankly. Um, but quitting music is a bit like saying you're quitting science. Yeah. It's such a big thing. It's really, yeah. But I couldn't get super, first of all, I wanted to keep the announcement really brief and to the point. And secondly, when it really came down to it is like, it's gonna. I'm imagine there'll be people out there who will be pretty bothered by me saying this, but I just couldn't hang with other musicians anymore. They're all, you guys are all driving me nuts, and we're all driving each other nuts. Mm-hmm. But it's really, like, I couldn't I mean, hang the out with was- musicians anymore, and I wanted to find ways to like work with people in the other arts fields. But New York is so tough to live in now, just financially, that like find never mind finding time for it. It's really finding like. <laughs> yeah, you know, patience and the money. Like, I want to go and check out, and I should check out more dance stuff. I'm, but I'm always like, how much is this going to cost me? Yeah, and that kind of thing. And I need to, I need to go and check out more. That's on my like kind of docket of things to do. Start going to like museums again yeah. regularly. But like again, how much money is that going to cost me sure. and stuff like that? But I would love like interdisciplinary stuff is part of the reason I moved to New York City. Yeah, like so I can work with artists in other fields. I would love that. Um so, uh, but yeah, I just found, and I've talked to a few of our friends, uh, that we have in common, a few mutual friends and I've said to them just flat out, like, you know, we're all assholes to each other unnecessarily. So, and I include myself in this, I can be a real dick and I forget people's names. It's really uncool of me. Or I even forget I've met the person that's really not cool, but, or I'm just, you know, really I'm rude and cold to people in person and I don't have to be, um, and I won't and can't be a part of a group of people who are like that, especially if I'm not getting paid really any – pay, we're paying money mm-hmm. to get emotionally abused in mm-hmm. that way, and that's bonkers to me. Mm-hmm. If I, I kind of reach my point of like, okay, this is just too crazy even for me.
0: There is another side to it, and that is – in listening to you, You know, they're, they're, it's making a question, well, what constitutes a professional musician? Sure. And – I guess for me the answer—it's—it's it's not a cut and dry thing, right? Because one side on oh, one side of it. So I just finished this record, right? I think it's the best thing I've ever done.
1: Solo trio,
0: solo, solo, nice. And you know, it will officially come out, um, you know, in a couple of weeks. Oh, awesome! Um, but to be quite honest with you, in a weird way, I don't care if it never comes out, really, because for the first time ever, I'm really realizing. Uh, just doing it was
1: was like, the reward
0: and, and it took me a long, it took much longer to, than it should have to make a fucking solo clarinet record. The truth is I remade it several times huh. and I guess what makes it a professional statement is right. that a, it's informed by a number of years of experience right. and collaboration with, you know, people who, you know, work on a very high level. Right. It, there is a level of quality control that will, in my you know according to my beliefs put it comfortably comfortably beside what i think are the other great documents of yeah recorded solo improvised music right but there's another part of it that's sort of like i played a show at and i I don't give a fuck at this place much more i played you know twice yep i i I mean i looked at that place and i was just like oh i'm never gonna play this fucking shithole again like this is not what i signed up for that's a dump yeah, and it's just sort of and and so that, there's a part of that because it's like okay, if I'm choosing not to take the gig, right. does that mean I'm not a professional musician? No, it means I am a professional musician because I wouldn't for a second subject my sure. creativity to something that is clearly disrespectful to the music.
1: I actually just to throw this in, I don't mind playing it. I've played it much more I don't mind playing in shitholes like that
0: I don't mind playing in shitholes either I'm actually kind of but it's all circumstance based
1: right but if if I'm going to be playing to like one or two people or nobody no I don't want to yeah so so anyway
0: to me I almost never play live anymore right and it's bugging me out on some levels it's also not bugging me out at all because if the choice is you know go play it much more and that's like the gigs that you're going to be playing I, I don't need that it doesn't right it doesn't contribute to the growth of the music or me as an individual. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know, in fact it feels undignified. Right. Right. You know, and I think the music deserves better.
1: Right. Right. I mean, that sounds like to me, like the equivalent of when I was saying like, when I'm playing in somebody's big band and I'm just counting rests and I'm not playing, I'm hardly playing at all. I'm certainly don't get a chance to improvise or I'm not giving a solo. Like I hated when I would get in that mindset of being in a big band and be like, please call on me, please let me play a solo. Please let me, I'm like, ah, because I'm just going to screw up the music and I don't, I just don't want to be that person. And I'm not, don't have enough humility to be like, you know what? It's enough to just be here with all these people on stage. Even if I'm not Don't have the horn in my mouth, that's enough for me. Especially after you only get 20 bucks for it. That's for me like, okay. I'm not doing anyone any good in this, um, you know, and in my case, I'm actually really bugged out about the not performing. It gets under my skin every day that I wake up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, some days it gets under my skin less than others, but yeah, I think about it every day. Yeah. But you know, the thing with performing, but but that's the way I'm wired is for that. Like, you know, kind of a live, live performance is a thing that like is just not just a Addictive, but so soul-satisfying uh-huh. for me. Uh-huh. I know it isn't for other people, or it's in different ways for different people. Yeah, um, But I, back to the professional musician thing, I mean, you are going to offer the CD for sale. I mean, I know you're not expecting to make a, a bunch of money on right. it, but you're offering it for sale, yeah. right? That, that to me is like, okay, it's professional.
0: Yeah, but the most important aspect that I realized of it, though, is A, I made the best music I could. Yeah. When it came time to... Um, Create a visual component, I commissioned this artist whose shit I fucking love right like there's no one else I would have wanted to have make a piece for it, and she made right. it and right. i have I have that, and I have the music as far right. as i'm concerned right. i don 't give a flying fuck who hears right. it and really? in a weird way you it's really, the first you really don't care it's the first if time I ever it. felt that way it's the wow. first time I've ever felt that way
1: see i haven't reached in, reached that place yet
0: I want people to hear it
1: right you wait, so you do want people to hear it, but you don 't care if they hear it, yeah. And it's the first time you've... I've,
0: I've you ever, ever felt a that way.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's... an that's. I commend you, my friend. That's an incredible balancing act. That's, that seems impossible to me. For me. For me. To like get to a place... And I mean, maybe during this break, I can like find a way to get to that place of like, okay, I want people to hear this, but I really don't care if they hear it or not. I don't I, know if I, I can get to that place.
0: There's a weird part of me, and the it's one of these feelings, like right, going back to the start of this conversation where I'm like, when you're looking at these like alt-right, right. you know, and then on the other side, these like hard left, you know, right. it's like at some point they start kind of wrapping around to each other. This mm-hmm. is similar in a way because right. bitterness and acceptance almost look identical in this way. Yeah. Of, um, but there is a part of me that's like, and you know, I remember I heard Lamont Le- 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 Young said this once mm-hmm. and I heard it and it gave me the chills. It right. sounded like the sickest thing I've ever right. heard, which is the world doesn't deserve to hear my music.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and I still feel like oh, that's that's a very sick.
1: That's a bit of, that's that's really extreme. Super narcissistic, and it's yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: But there is a part of me that feels like yeah, most people don't fucking aren't smart enough to dig this. Well, <laughs> I, 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 well, no, no, I take that back. It's not what I feel. What I feel is this music's too good to subject to whoring it out.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's also you. You take pride in in the work that you've made. Yeah. You recognize that it's good work. It's work that you yourself want to hear. You put it out into the world, something that you yourself want in the world. And I feel the same way about what I... I play on baritone saxophone and bass clarinet. Like, uh, but even like, know,
0: I'm going through the process right now of as I'm getting ready to release it, I'm you right. know, writing to people, hey man, you know, if you want to check out like uh, this thing I'm working on for possible right. review, let me know, I'll send it to you. And right, and you know, everyone's really responsive, and right. I send it to people that are you know, I, I think would be responsive to it. Sure. At the same time, I'm like, what the fuck, you know, some fucking review in a corny ass blog, yeah, you know, like who right. gives a fuck,
1: right? Now, in the, that, I do. I'm on board with that attitude, but 15 years ago when I moved here, I was so hungry for any kind of attention, yeah that the self I was when I was thirty I was like, "How can they say they don't even care about the review? I would love to get a review. Well, I got the reviews, and they were great. I'm really i even the, the negative ones and I've been lucky to have few negative ones, but there have been some.
0: I want negative reviews. you sure Well, maybe not I don't the know negative sure. ones
1: by and large that I've read I'm like. I don't think you were even going to like this record before you heard it. Not just because my whole like take on certain material or my approach to things wasn't going to work for them. Yeah. Um, But I was just so... Gratified. One of the first people to review anything of mine was Bruce Gallanton. Uh-huh. and I gave him the self-produced yeah, he loves CD. music. Yeah, of um, this first band I had, and I still am proud I made this record. It's very Maudlin record in some ways, mm-hmm. um, but there's still some things that I think are exceptionally strong on it. He made note of how Maudlin. I mean, like there's a Beatles cover on it, uh-huh. you know? Because um, I was curious to see if I could do. I never liked the way any jazz-trained person had covered the Beatles, and I wanted to see if I could actually meet that challenge, Uh sort of. Anyway, Bruce gave it, you know, a middle-of-the-road review. He said, this has got some interesting things, but, you know, it gets pretty sappy. I was just like, holy shit, Bruce gave me his time. Yeah, That's so awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad, because that's all I'm asking for, which is a lot now, because the time everyone wants to spend and they're not aware of it is staring at a screen. And I tell my daughter that all the time. Like, you know, you have to be careful, because... You're going to think you're talking to someone. And the people who make this technology are going to tell you it's as if you're with that friend who's a block away, a thousand miles away, 10,000 miles away. It's as if you're right there in the room with them and there's no separation time or space. You're not. That's not true. You're actually looking at a screen. And that's fine. But you have to be real about what you're actually doing with yourself at that moment. So, you know, what does it mean? that's great that you like feel that way about the reviewer, but right um, now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's incredible. Like I should get some lessons from you on the, getting that whole tip of like, okay, I hope people listen to this. I don't care if they listen to it. I am at the point of like, which I haven't ever been of like, okay, if I think, you know, I think it is people's loss if they don't hire me or get to hear me. I have, Cool stuff to do. I, like I said, my most charismatic self. I regularly play do things on baritone saxophone that surprise people who think they know the instrument. There are people who are much better musicians than me, and there are plenty of people who are much better jazz stylists than I'll ever be. But I know for a fact, I, no one sounds like me on, on that instrument in particular. Yeah, baritone saxophone. I may I I, com- I set out I com- I have accomplished what I set out to do decades ago. I can, on a good night, play a single note, and you'll know it's me. And not, it couldn't be anyone else. And so I have reached the point of, like, okay, I'm a great craftsperson, you know, and I take pride in that. And I do think people lose out if they don't get it. But on the other hand, that's all right. You know, I'm sure they're okay with their lives. You know, I mm-hmm. just want to be okay with my life.
0: Yeah. So, oh, I think that's the main goal. It gets lost. It gets lost. It gets lost. It's, gets lost. it's so hard. But to finding keep, your way back to it is, I to, think, going to be the challenge of life.
1: Sure, but it's a, you know, to me, it's a daily thing. Just like I worked out, like, for me, forgiveness is like, oh, like, I have to practice forgiveness of the same people every day. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, now you're forgiven, and I don't have to think about this
0: anymore. But you're also fortunate to have your mind be occupied by these things because I think for a lot of people, they're just kind of going about things, not asking questions, (laughs) not really examining things. Right. No, they're definitely not. And – you know, well, I don't care for those people, and I, I, I'm not going to quite say I feel for them. Right. I, it's a sad situation. It is really sad. It's, it's, it's you know, it's in.
1: I you know, and I this is a part of me that's become really curmudgeonly. I I honestly think most of the the jazz that I hear in the United States and most of the improvised music what's considered avant-garde improvised music to me it's really boring yeah it's the worst thing I can say about it it's stuff and this is stuff that's supposed to be like super out and crazy I'm like yeah I've I've heard a lot of those records already I think every we're all caught in this loop of constantly demonstrating our fealty to whatever style right and a lot of music is also being made by people with the most energy which are young people so the stuff gets put out there and I'm like I know that stuff already. I, there's no mystery. That's my thing. It's like, I need mystery. I need to be able to uh-huh. ask. A, I need to be able to go the same as I do still now when I hear Roscoe Mitchell. Roscoe Mitchell, like, <coughs> anytime I hear him play, he'll do at least one thing that makes me go, what is he thinking? Yeah. What goes through that man's brain? I, I has no idea. Braxton, the same thing. You know, and, you know, but people who play like really beautifully like Bill Frizzell will do that as well. hmm Like, how, not just how did they do that, why did they do that? So,
0: so like, I, this is like some bougie shit I'm about to say, but like, I enjoy picking up a Roscoe Mitchell record, right. taking it home, putting it on in the same way. I'm like, ooh, a Brunello from, uh, you know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm going to say, I know that I am getting You're getting quality. The quality, the top shelf shit that is worth paying money right. for.
1: Right. And there are a small number of people around us who are making art like that. And I know but people, it's always like, going to be small. You yes. know, it's, it's a luck of the draw thing in many ways, but it's, you know, it's, and even the people who make it that way, I mean, I haven't heard every Roscoe record. I've heard some that were duds. Yeah. So someone makes, putting out stuff all the time. It's a bad vintage. <laughs> there's going to be crap. There's going to be some stuff like, oh, they have, I don't like even that like, you know, they have a nice site in Montalcino there, but they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing that right. year. You know, and they, you know, some even, or it's just a bad bottle. It's like just a bad bottle. Got my cork. favorite producers are the ones have the most variation in their wines, where it's like,
2: you see, just like with right, wine, right?
0: And I, just, I, you know, as I've in the last year, I've kind of become more knowledgeable about right. wine, and right. I have you know a great friend of mine is one of the best psalms in New York, right. I will say, for right. like with absolute certainty. I talk, listen to him talk about wine. I'm right. like, well, one of the things you're really tasting and what you're looking out for is the soil you you know, you know, you get to know these producers, right. and you learn the story of their vineyards. You know, right. they're a fourth generation right. winemaker, and right. this is how they treat their their grapes and their soil. It's the same thing with music. Right. I'm listening to someone's soul and listening to their experience, their vulnerability,
1: the specificity of their experience. Yeah,
0: and you know, there's this clarinetist who moved to town recently, John McAlwen. Right. I listen to this guy play, right. and what I hear. Are the is the hours and the dedication in the practice room, okay. Uh, what I hear is uh, uh, a personal set of standards that I'm like, Yeah, I hear what this guy's you know, okay. I, I hear it, I gotta and, check him out, and I'm compelled to listen to it because I, I, I hear this focus, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, people have told me you're not the only person to yeah. tell me about him, I gotta check him out. He's really deep, okay, yeah, but yeah, it's like that's the thing, and going along with what you're saying, people don't ask questions, like, there's I actually think it's such a great time to be a music fan because there's so much. Imu- Music that you can go out and find. Um, I at the same time, you know, law of averages is there's more stuff out there. Even there's even more shit, like just bad yeah, stuff, a crap lot of bad out shit. there. Um, and not bad in like, oh, I can't stand this. But like, I've cultivated an interest in genuinely bad music, um, like stuff that makes you go, please just stop. But don't, I can't stand hearing that anymore. Most stuff that's bad is just like that's boring. Who cares? I don't care. Why should I care about that? And most of the music I hear people making across the board is stuff that they've given me no reason to care about or like it. And that's, yeah, I do kind of walk around being like, why do I have problems getting gigs? I know I'm not making boring music, but I know everyone thinks that of their own stuff. Right. You know, for the most part,
0: our own personal echo chambers.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, I have at least reached that point of like I'm a genuine fan of what I make. Yeah, Yeah, which is a a a good place place to be. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. I think we did it. Yeah, you feel good. (laughs) 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 You
1: feel good. I please don't put all this up. It's so fucking long. Uh, No, I will. I too much.
0: Maybe maybe I'll cut the alt right stuff.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh lord. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Jeremiah.
0: All right. How was that? That was the. The the round two of a conversation with my friend Josh Sinton. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty good. Josh is a good dude, and keep your eyes out, because I think he'll be back. But I can't speak for him. He's a great player and a great dude, and I'm happy to call him, my friend. Josh Sinton. That's it. We'll be back next week. Next week, me and Brandon Seabrook look forward to it. All right. Bye.